2 Timothy chapter 2. And would you stand with me, please, as we read 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read these same four verses we've been looking at all this month. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Read verses 1 to 4 and get into the message. 2 Timothy 2. We'll read aloud together in unison verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. All right, let's begin. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Let's pray one more time. Father, now is the time for the preaching of your word. Sometimes we get rushed. We try to worry about time and getting done in time and being here in time. And Lord, uh, uh, we need to listen to you now. We need no distractions. We need you to speak to our hearts and help us. Help me be a blessing, encouragement to your people this morning. I love you. I pray that you would say through me what needs to be said for the benefit of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> All right, we're talking about being a good soldier, and this morning we're going to finish up the sequence on, on the, 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 the commandment here is to stay untangled. So when we, when we read verses like this, these are commandments that Paul is giving to Christians, and there is, there is this awareness that Christians need to have of we're in a warfare. Paul writes that Christians are in a war. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not physical, but they are better than that. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, we're in a war, and I don't know if you're even aware of it. Uh, how many of you noticed a culture war going on right now? Uh, I lived through the 1960s, and many of us did, during the sexual revolution. I watched it unfold on television. I watched um, uh, Woodstock, and uh, the TV, and the news, and the music all was about the sexual revolution. I've watched decades now of race wars. They're never going to be settled. I've laughed at all the political wars. You remember all the, the, the politics here in Ireland. I remember the politics in America. I've read of it of now, and I am afraid of the coming race wars and the civil wars that are heating up all over the world. But more than all of that, I've seen and experienced spiritual attacks, demonic attacks, and I've known the depths to which Satan goes to destroy Christians. This world is at war. Now, what God has done is he's given us some instructions, and these are just a few instructions out of a book full of them. There are instructions here in these four verses for our, for, for our warfare. First of all, he says, find strength in grace. You find strength not in strength, but strength in grace. He says, secondly, depend upon Jesus Christ. Everything you need comes from Jesus Christ. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Do you get up in the morning and say, Lord, I need you, and I'm going to follow you. And if you speak to me, I will yield to you. Depend upon Jesus Christ. Learn this manual for yourself. I try to teach you. I try to feed you. I try to help you. But in the end, you're going to stand before God and God's going to say, did you read my book? Did you even learn any of it yourself? Learn the manual for yourself. This is the manual for the victorious Christian life. 
You can go to a Christian bookstore and there will be, man, there will be books after books after books how to live the Christian life. You already have one. It's not wrong to read those books. What's wrong is to ignore the book. Learn the manual for yourself, then learn from faithful men. Not everything you read do you understand. And it's nice to actually be around faithful men who've gone through the fire, gone through the, the floods, gone through the trials, and lived by the book. And you say, all right, I can be like that. I can learn from that man. Then, he's, then Paul tells us we need to pass it on to more faithful men. All of this is in those four verses. Take what you learn, pass it on. Because it doesn't, it, Christianity is not about us. Christianity is about the next generation and the next after that. So pass it on to other faithful men. And then he says something we talked about last week. He says, endure hardness. The Christian life is not something you get into because it's fun. The Christian life I got into because I needed to get saved. I needed to, God to, to turn, turn me around and change my destination. But the moment I got saved, I changed sides in a war. And now I'm, I'm called to endure hardness in, in this side of the fight. And the devil doesn't make it easy to live the Christian life. Endure hardness. And this morning we're going to talk about staying untangled. And finally, pleasing the one who called us to be soldiers. Now, when we talk about staying untangled, it seems like an easy command. He says there, look in there in verse uh, 4, no man that warreth, no man that fights, no man, no man that, that gets into this, this war that we're in, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Think about that. There's this, it seems like it's just stay untangled is, is, the, is the commandment. It, uh, but it's not an easy thing to do. Think about the meaning of the word entangled. Entangled means knotted, wound up, trapped, confused. And here's the meaning of tangled. Uh, unable to be used. Uh, I found that most anything that is tangled is basically useless. Like, a, you know, if you've ever uh, uh, taken an extension lead and it's 20 meters long, if it, if it wasn't coiled up right, you try to set it down and then it's all tangled and you're having to spend 10 minutes trying to get it untangled. But you ever try to use string that's, been, that, that's not been wound up correctly? Un, uh, a tangled string is useless string. Uh, what about tangled fishing line? You're not going to catch any fish, are you? Tangled things are usually basically useful, useless. How about tangled hair? Um, I don't know if I got a... Uh, and then... What about um, earphones? I mean, those things are the most cursed thing. If you've got an ear pod, these, that's why Apple invented these wireless Bluetooth ones and things, because you've got this thing you pull out of your pocket, and then for the next 10 minutes, you're trying to untangle it so that you could listen to something. But tangled up objects don't usually get used. And it's the same with Christians who are tangled in this world, tangled in the affairs of this life. Now. Uh, there's some examples, great examples, and you go to Luke chapter 10, of people who got entangled. Luke chapter 10, the first one is, is a woman named Martha I'm going to look at here. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10, in verse 38. Now it came to pass as they, Jesus and his disciples, went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. So she's not only receiving Jesus, but everybody is with him. So there's at least 12 other men with Jesus. So 13 guys come into this woman's house. <laughs> and she had a sister called Mary. 
That was not Mary, the mother of Jesus. It was another Mary. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus's feet. And what was she doing? She heard his word. So she just sat there and listened to him teach. Verse 40. But Martha was, what's the next word? Say it with me loud. Cumbered. That's not cucumbered. Just cumbered, okay? Cumbered about much serving. Now watch what she does. She came to Jesus, interrupts him and says, Lord, dost thou not care? Wow. That my sister hath left me to serve alone. Bitter therefore, commander, that she help me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But how many things are needful? Only one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from here. What was Mary? What was Martha? She was tangled up. She was trapped in trying to do everything to make everybody happy and to feed everybody. And Jesus says, you've ruined the day. Forget all that. Only one thing is needful, and Mary's doing it right now. Go to Genesis chapter 13. So Martha is a great example of people who get wrapped up in doing. It's not a sin to feed people, is it? It's not a sin to fix dinner and, and try to be a blessing. It's a sin when you become entangled in that so that you can't spend time with Jesus. Go to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis chapter 13, verse 10. Um, Abraham and his nephew Lot are trying to settle a dispute. In verse 10, it says this, And Lot lifted up his eyes, and, oh, he beheld all the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere. Wow, it was fertile. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom, now this was before God had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, it was even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot, now there was a choice being made. Lot, Abraham says to Lot, Lot, you choose which direction you go, and the direction you go, I'll go the opposite. So Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from the other. Verse 12, and Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, where he was supposed to be, that was the will of God, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and he pitched his tent, he set up his tent, so he was looking right at the city of what? Sodom, the bright lights of Sodom. He could smell the money that could be made in Sodom. Um, and uh, look at verse 13. But the men of Sodom were what kind of men? They were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Go to chapter 19. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 19, verse 15. Two angels show up at, at Lot's door, and Lot invites them in. There's trouble outside. We won't go through the whole story there. And the angels take uh, Lot and take his wife and take his daughters and says, you've got to flee. And I want you to see verse, um, verse 15. When the morning arose and the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of, this, of the city. And while he what? Why would he linger knowing the fire of God is about to judge that city and wipe it off the map. Why would he linger? Because he was trapped there. His heart was there. He had invested his life there. And it was time, when it was time to, to move, when it was time the Lord said, get out, he said, I can't. Let's keep going. Uh, verse, where am I? 16. Verse, yeah, keep going to 16. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand. They grabbed him. 
And they, the Lord had laid hold upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful. Honestly, if you and I had been there, we'd have said, okay, you don't want to go, then I'll, 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 I'll leave you there to be judged as well. But the Lord was merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city, moved him outside of the city. And notice what is about to happen here. Lot has now been pulled out. Judgment, the, the clouds are gathering. It is, it is the, the lightning is flashing. The heat is increasing. And in verse, um, uh, verse 17, it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, the angel said, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape all the way to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto him, Oh, not so, my Lord. What's he doing? He's arguing. He's saying, Oh, it doesn't have to be that, does it, Lord? Behold now. Oh, he talks so spiritual. Thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. You've been kind to me. And thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die there, is what he's saying. Behold now. This city <clears throat> is near to flee unto. And it was one of the cities that God was going to judge. It was called Zoar. This is this city. Oh, it's nearby. And it's a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And the angel said to him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, and I will not overthrow this city like I planned for that which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do it anything till thou be thou become thither therefore the name of the city was called zoar here's the point when god uh intervened in lot's life lot was trapped in sodom now he had he had sons and 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 married daughters who had married sodomites and people in gomorrah and they had become so in, entrenched in that system that when lot knocked on the door and says we got to get out of here they they laughed at him and they says we're not going anywhere he was trapped and when he even was almost free, he still said, I want to stay here. That is a trap, folks. That's called being entangled. Show you another one, Demas. Go to the right, find uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9. Demas had the same problem as Lot. He loved this present world. And so when it came, when push came to shove, guess where he went when times got hard, went back to the world. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 9. Paul writes Timothy and says, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. I need you here now, he's saying. Verse 10, For Demas hath forsaken me. He's abandoned me, having loved this present world. And he's departed unto Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia and Titus unto Dalmatia. Here's some examples of people who couldn't go forward, who couldn't press on, who couldn't soldier on because they were entangled in this world and in the affairs of this life. Now here's, this is something really, really true. And that is when you got saved, Jesus made you free. He didn't just set you free like the new Bible say. It's a son therefore shall make you free. You shall be free indeed. So it's up to you to stay free. It's up to you to stop entangling yourself. Go to Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5 and verse 1. <clears throat> Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And here's our word, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. 
you do not have to go back into the world. You don't have to go back into the sins that you used to commit or even that you still struggle with committing now. You can be free and, and you just, there is a choice that a Christian has to make to stay free. Now, I, I thought about tangled things. Do you know by nature things get tangled? You don't have to do anything. It's just naturally things just get tangled. How many of you woke up this morning and your hair was all tangled, messed up? Just, it just happens. Uh, but staying untangled, wouldn't you agree, is so much easier than getting untangled. It is so much easier for the Christian to decide, I'm going to keep myself untangled instead of constantly trying to untangle myself. Does that make sense? That's why Christ calls us to stay following him, learning how to be like him so that we can live free. Proverbs 14, 15 says, the simple believe every word <laughs> on the news and on the internet. But the prudent man looketh well to his going. What does that mean? He sees where he's going. He looks around for traps. He reads the fine print. Now, I don't know anybody who reads fine print, okay? Anytime you, you agree to something on the internet, it says, have you agreed to these terms and conditions? And you click yes, and you didn't read one word of it. But the prudent man reads the fine print, checks to see if he or she is safe to take the next step. And the truth is, God made us responsible for the choices we make because those choices will either trap you or keep you free to live for him. I need you to go to 1 Corinthians now. Go to left, find 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 6, 12. This is a, you ought to put a star by this. You ought to box this verse in. You ought to memorize this verse. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are lawful unto me. But all things are not expedient. They're not the best. All things are lawful for me, but here's the point. But I will not be brought under the power of any. That's a Christian talking. I know before you were saved, you said, I'm not going to drink anymore. And three months later, you were back on it. And you struggled and you struggled and, and, and you say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to lose my temper anymore. And with the best of intentions. But did you know as a Christian, you can decide, I'm not going to let anything have power over me except Jesus Christ. It is dead serious. Now, the truth is this. In World War I, soldiers, a great illustration, faced miles and miles of barbed wire fence that was designed to entangle anyone trying to go forward and engage the enemy. That's what those barbed wires are for. Those barbed wires were, were laid out there to stop soldiers from attacking. And you know what the devil wants is to stop us from turning this world upside down. Satan wants to get you so tangled up that you end up like this man, dead in the middle of the battlefield, or maimed, or, or incapable of going forward because you're tangled in the affairs of this life. And it's so serious that, that we, we, we think it doesn't matter that we play with sin or that we allow sin. When those, those things that we allow into our life are not just innocent, they are Satan's traps that says, come on, come on, and then whack, you're trapped. So I'm going to give you the truths on how to stay free as a Christian. Some of these you probably well know. I mean, they're not, I'm not telling you anything new, but I'm telling you things in order of, of importance that, you know what? Christ made me free. I've got to, man, i got to want to stay free. So let's get started here. Number one, if you're going to stay free as a Christian, you need to know who you are and what is really going on. What do I mean by that? Well, who are you? 
you are, are, you are soldiers. You and I are soldiers in the army of the king of heaven. I'm glad I'm on the winning side. I backed a lot of losers in my, in my life, amen? I've been on the wrong side of a lot of problems. It's nice to actually be on the right side of history. You and I are not just a Joe Soap. We are soldiers in a war. This is no game. Satan is not out to just toy with you, just to make your life a little miserable. No, his sole desire, because you have the image of God in you now, because you're trying to serve God, because you're trying to reflect the glory of God, he seeks to smash you like a mirror. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. You need to realize this is serious business. When we talk about soldiers and being in this war, we got to realize our enemy is not shooting with paintballs. He's shooting deadly things. Thirdly, he's winning. Did you know being a Christian does not protect you from traps? Just because you're saved doesn't mean that you're not going to be tempted and the devil is not going to pour on the pressure and that you're not going to give in. Just because you're a Christian does not mean that you no longer sin. That is insanity. Too many people believe that now that I'm a Christian, I'm protected. No. Too many pastors and pastors' wives and missionaries and Bible teachers are falling into the traps of this world. Whether it is drugs in the home, pornography, marriage problems, divorce. You say, that doesn't happen among Christians. Where have you been? Drink? Depression, demonic attacks, whatever affects you affects me, folks. We're not, I'm not, well, Pastor, you're, that's what you got from, from being a Catholic all your life. You thought that that priest and those nuns, they were so holy that the devil didn't touch them. You found out wrong, didn't you? There is, there is nobody that the devil's not trying to, to, to entrap. As a matter of fact, those who decide that they're going to live for God are going to be the first target on the devil's list. You know, we think our kids won't get, you know, my, my kids are growing up in a Christian home. That doesn't guarantee they're not going to get into and, and be entrapped by the sins of this world. It is so prevalent, folks. Being entangled by the affairs of this life is a serious warning. Recognize Satan's traps, number two. Realize your enemy is smarter than you. <laughs> I, uh, you know, uh, a soldier thinks that, you know, it's just one soldier against another, you know, one gun against another gun. But there are, there are forces at play that have been planned out. You have no idea tomorrow what the devil's been planning all the last month just to ruin you. Our enemy is so much smarter than you. So when he sets a trap, when he spins a web, you and I don't always notice it. So allow someone to point out hidden traps in your life like your parents, like your pastor, like godly wise friends, like the Holy Spirit of God, like this Bible. Listen, you need to be reading this Bible saying, Lord, open my eyes to the traps the devil's laying for me. Let me listen to the preacher like it was just me and him talking so that I can get some awareness of what the devil is trying to throw at me. You know, a bird comes along. This is a simple bird trap, okay? Or it could be a squirrel trap or any kind of small animal trap. Now, what's in the middle of the trap, okay? Normally, you put in the middle of the trap 
something that attracts uh, your, 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 your prey, okay? But used to be when, when I was a kid, people were attracted by the movies to the cigarettes. I remember watching uh, Jimmy Dean, and uh, he had that pack of cigarettes wrapped up in his uh, T-shirt there, and he looked like so cool, and everybody wanted to be like Jimmy Dean with that cigarette hanging, Humphrey Bogart, all of Hollywood was, was selling on the idea that cigarettes were cool. But it was a trap, wasn't it? It was a trap that once you started that smoking, it was almost impossible to pull away. You saw all the people having fun drinking, and they still do it. You saw it on the billboards, and I'm so proud of Ireland finally banning the billboards. I remember when I first got here, uh, Guinness had those uh, um, uh, billboards that had a harp on it, and it had just one word on it, and it made me mad. Believe believe and i thought they they took and they stole our word that's god's word and they said believe in guinness you know what it did it presented a a a, a fun you remember when i when i got here in, in 1994 there was some guy in the in the guinness ad i mean i'm bringing up old memories but this guy was dancing around remember him dancing around the guinness uh pint and it just made a lot of fun of it. And everybody thought, oh, it's fun. Oh, it's just an innocent drink. And they didn't realize it's a trap. That's what people didn't see. They didn't see the kidney failures. They didn't see the, the, the loss of families and the, um, uh, the abuse that was going on. Satan used to use cigarettes, drink, and pornography. But now Satan uses the affairs of this life, the concerns, the business of this world, to trap Christians, like social media. Did you know Facebook is designed to trap you? You know that, don't you? Don't think, well, it's just fun. No, it is designed to trap you. The average U.S. and European adult, out of 700 million people, they did research, the average adult spends 38 minutes per day on Facebook. That means out of all of 700 million people, the average of all of that, it means a lot of them are on more and some of them are less. But 38 minutes every day are on Facebook. That's amazing to me. 16 to 24 year olds spend about three hours a day on social media. Three hours a day. Researchers have predicted that the average adult will, in their lifetime, spend six years and eight months on social media of their life. Six years of, an, of a 70 year life, six years in time will be spent on social media. I was blown away by these numbers. Every day, five billion videos are watched on YouTube. As of March 9, 2019, 90% of all 13 to 24 year olds in Europe and US use Snapchat. 90% of all kids you meet are on Snapchat. And listen to this, 10 billion videos are watched on Snapchat every day. I got three words for you. It's a trap. Research shows that those who cut down their social media use to 30 minutes per day or less actually experience a significant improvement in well-being. Like you have to be told that. It exhibits reduced loneliness and depression. People get on there because they're lonely, and guess what? They end up lonelier. Satan puts out social media there, traps. How about easy sex? 
fornication. Today's the day where everybody's into sex before marriage. It's a trap. It's a lie. It has this idea that, oh, it's nothing to worry about. Did you know God made it hard for men and women to have sex for a reason? He made sex for marriage. Full stop. Not before marriage, but only in marriage. Go to Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13 and verse 4. <clears throat> it's funny. Nobody advertises, you know, uh, marriage with the desire. Well, they sometimes they do. Hotels do to try to pe get people to, to uh, you know, sign up for a, a, a wedding fair. But marriage is not something that is put as a trap. I know some guys thought it was. <laughs> but marriage, it's always this easy idea about sex. And yet Hebrews 13, 4 says marriage is honorable in all. And the bed is undefiled. But whoremongers, that's fornicators, and adulterers, God will judge. Now somebody says, well, that's old-fashioned. No, it's not. It's Bible. Don't let fornication entangle you so that you never can live for God. Uh, worries, fears. You know what? They are a tangled mess. You need to decide to never become comfortable with worry. It's a trap. That doesn't mean that you don't worry. Good night. If, if you're human, you're going to worry about things. But never let yourself get comfortable with worry because worry will take over your thoughts. It will stop you from sleeping. It will hinder you from serving God and serving others. It will consume you and wrap you so tight you can't breathe. That's what worry does. It's a trap. How about lying? Wow. You ever hear this phrase? Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Sounds like Shakespeare, right? But it wasn't. There's a guy named Sir Walter Scott in 1808. And it simply means that once you start lying, you are trapped in an ever bigger web of lies that will ruin your life. You see, lying, the devil says, don't tell your mom where you were. You'll get in trouble. So you lie about it. Wow, you just were trapped. And from that moment on, you will have to tell another lie and another lie and another lie. And your life is doomed when you get found out. How about the love of money? Go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Go to the left, find 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9. <clears throat> there are a lot of people who think that money is a problem, but money is not the problem. The love of money is the problem. The desire for riches. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9. But they that will be rich, they fall into temptation. It's like there is this hole there waiting for them. They fall in temptation and a, what's the word? That's what we're looking at. That's what this is. It's called a snare, a trap. And into a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil in your life. Which while some coveted after, the money, they have erred from the faith, and they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. The devil put in there a job opportunity for you, make some fast money, or he'll say, you know what, this horse can't, can't lose. Or say, this boxing match, you picked the right guy. Everything that you think is going to be fast money, I got a word for you, it's a trap. Debt. I'll talk about this again in a moment. God says in Proverbs 6, 
that if you are in debt to someone or if you are the guarantor, a, a surety for someone's debt, get yourself out of that debt as fast as possible. If you have to uh, get a mortgage for your house, do you know what your first priority is? Paying it off. more than sleep you need to make sure you're working your tail off to get out of debt that's what the bible says because debt becomes a trap and if you if you just just if you got a credit card and you just pay the minimum that they say how do you believe that's a bad thing your bank card says oh you only need to pay 50 euros a month and you owe 3,000 or 5,000 or 10,000 just pay 50 euros a month and you're fine you're never getting out of debt, and that debt will just increase, increase, increase. And then the loan shark comes along and says, we'll get you out of debt for 28%. And then you're a slave to that person. The lender is the master. The borrower is servant to the lender. Do not leave yourself in debt. Get out as fast as you can. You can't get out instantly, but get out. <clears throat> because, because somebody comes along and offers free money. So you can pay it back later. It's a trap. Always pay your bills. <clears throat> and lastly, false doctrine. Acts chapter 20. Acts 20, <clears throat> verse 28. Paul is speaking to the Christians at Ephesus. And he says, I'm worried. I'm worried about your leaders. He says to those leaders in Acts 20, 28, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, pay Close attention to your own attitudes, to your own view of life, and take heed to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Your goal and your job description is to feed the church of God, not yourself, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, Paul says, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock, not caring about how much it hurts you, and also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things. And what's he trying to do? To draw away disciples after them. That word draw away is the idea of they come in with a net. And they say things that sound so good. Oh, they've got all the scripture. Oh, they can just do the PowerPoints. Oh, they can really present themselves. They can answer all the questions. And they don't care about truth. They don't care about you. They've never been your pastor. They've never given their life for anybody. But they draw away. They snatch away. They entrap disciples after them. False doctrine. That's why in 1 John, John says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the spirits, test them whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out onto the world. These are things that we allow to take over our heart. They're traps, they're minefields, they're nets that are spread for the Christian. And if we're not careful, we may never get free of them to recover. Right now, I'm thinking of a dozen Irish men, I was thinking of it last night, who through my 26 years here, I'm thinking of a dozen Irish men who got saved, who were on fire for God, who were passionate about soul winning, who preached and lived right and wanted to do the will of God and right now are ensnared by the entanglements of bitterness, sin, they're in pride, they're in wrong relationships, they're battling drunkenness, they're into the love of money and they're into the love of pleasures instead of the love of God. 
Those are Irishmen, I could list you, I'm not going to, of people that I've watched come, get excited, and then get entangled again in the affairs of this life. You know, the problem is not politics. The problem is not media. The problem is not the, the freeness of, of sex and of, of, of fear that's everywhere and the ability to lie. You know what the problem is? It's in the fact that we close our eyes and we are ignorant of the traps that are right in front of us and right in our homes and right on our phones. So that leads to the next point, avoid the traps. Now, how do you avoid traps, all right? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Well, there's one thing that a soldier does in order to avoid traps. He keeps things simple. He has a simple goal. He has one enemy. I know that a modern, the modern soldier's got all this electronics on him. He's got night vision goggles. He's got food supplies for three days in the desert. He's got everything. I mean, he's weighed down with 75 pounds worth of extra stuff. But that wasn't God's way. God's way was when that soldier gets in that battle, he needs a good weapon, he needs a good defense, he put all the things, a breastplate, a helmet, and then charge! Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Paul says, Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly. He says, he says You think of me a fool, well, bear with me, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you Christians, with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you, we'd say engaged you, to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as a serpent beguiled, tricked, trapped Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh, and this was the worry, that there were grievous wolves coming into the churches, and they were preaching another who? They were preaching another Jesus, whom we have not preached. And then there were Christians in the, those churches that were receiving another spirit, which ye have not received. And you were believing another gospel, which ye have not first accepted. Ye might well end up believing him and receiving him. The point is this. Folks, so many Jesuses are preached these days. I, 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 my, my, Grief is that when somebody comes into a church, they ought to trust they're going to talk about Jesus. They're going to talk about holy living. They're going to talk about heaven and hell. They're going to talk about what Jesus talked about. They're not talk, going to talk about all the entertainment and all of the, the, the psychological counseling that goes on in, in all of these things that misses the gospel. When you go into a church, you expect it to be about Jesus. Amen? There's so many spirits. I've been in churches where you, I've run out. It was dark, everybody up on that stage was swaying, and it was a rock concert, and Nita and I walked out. I seen, when I was a kid, and my mom tried to find a church, she went into a church one day, this church had a thousand people, and as the preacher, preacher was preaching, one woman would stand up and start gibbering in unknown tongues, and the whole church would stop, and then she would sit down, and then he tried to preach again, and another guy over here would stand up, and he'd start shouting in an unknown tongue, and it was there for three hours. That was the day I decided I'm never going back to church because it was wacko. I was not saved. I was not anything. I don't remember what he preached. I just watched. It looked like that. You remember that wacko thing that you're back banging on um, uh, beavers or whatever they were coming out, just popping up all of this stuff. That wasn't church. It was weird.
There are spirits, there are spirits that aren't the Spirit of God. So many different gospels. my enemies even and serve absolutely everyone I meet just want to keep things simple because I'm a servant who's soldiering on stay simple secondly don't play with sin don't play with sin on your phone don't play with sin with your friends don't play with your pet sins of anger or bitterness you know Joseph in Egypt knew better than to play with the pleasure of sin for a brief moment I mean, there was an opportunity. No one else was in the house. And Potiphar's wife says, come lie with me. And he knew better. He said, I'm running. Don't play with sin. Because your sin will catch up with you and will always hurt you and enslave you in the end. Second Timothy, you're in Corinthians. Go to Second Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy 2.22. Stay clear of traps, things you know that are wrong to do. 2 Timothy 2.22 says, flee also youthful lust. Now, I like that. That actually is a description saying, remember when you were a kid, you thought you were invincible. You thought you could do anything, get away with anything. Whatever you think you can get away with, run from it. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions... Avoid knowing that they do only gender arguments, strifes. Go to Titus. You're in Timothy. Go to the right. Find Titus just a page or two over. Titus chapter 3 and verse 9. Titus 3, 9 says, But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and they are vain. They're stupid. Third thought. Avoid the traps means set good limits on yourself. Decide where you are going to walk. Decide what you are going to do and what you're not going to allow yourself to do. I'm, I, I can only speak from experience. I decided when I got saved, I was told by my preacher, my friends need to be Christian friends. I need to decide, as, as, as limited as my friends may be, numbers, I'm going to make my best friends Christians. And I've never regretted that. I have people I know and I try to be the friend of, but my friends are Christians. I set limits on myself so that I'm not, my friends aren't always telling me about Harry Potter. And my friends aren't always telling me about some new escapade they've been in. I'm glad I've made Christians my friends. I set limits on myself. Set limits on how much time you're going to commit to being in church instead of at the sport. Decide how much money you're going to give to missionaries and to the gospel ministry so that you don't have money to spend on drink or on entertainment. 
Decide how much time you're going to spend on social media and watching YouTube and watching TV and decide I'm going to limit that so I got more time for my Bible. I got more time for church. I got more time for Christians. Set limits on yourself. And here's the big one. To avoid the trap, you need to fear getting caught in the trap. You need to fear being snared, trapped, bound, and ruined. If you only knew how many Christians who should be here this morning and who should be flying and should be joyful and how many of them are miserable, wretched, barren, unfruitful. You know, the only difference between those of us who are here and those who are there is a choice. We're not smarter. We just made a choice to avoid the traps. And if you are in a trap, get out of the traps. If you are entangled, do everything necessary to get free again. Imagine being a fly. And it lands on this sticky web. What is this? Well, you know, it may seem insignificant at first for that fly to land on that little thread of sticky web. But if that fly doesn't get off of that web fast, or a butterfly, I wanted a better picture, or a butterfly. If that butterfly doesn't get out of that web fast, she's dinner. That spider is over in the corner, out of the way, unseen, so that no matter who comes and gets caught, just if that fly or that butterfly or wasp or whatever doesn't get out of that web, that spider's going to move up there and wrap it up and make fast food out of it. There is a cost, and I call it stupidity. You can call it whatever you want. But there's a price to pay when you're unaware of what's happening to you by the traps that Satan puts you into. You know what the cost of giving in to the traps and falling into? Some people seem to like falling into their traps. I don't understand it. But every time you give in to the trap of drink, pornography, anger, every time you give in to... The, 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 the besetting sin that you have. Your sin's not the attention is not the same as mine. Whatever I'm struggling with, it may be different than yours, but whatever it is that lures you and attracts you and pulls you into it, every time you give in to that, you will slowly lose the freedoms that Christ gave you at salvation. Think about it. You know, God gave you the... You are the freest the moment you got saved. You could have walked away from any habitual addiction you ever had that day you were the most free you've ever been jesus says stay free but the more you ignore the freedom and you keep playing with your old sins you keep holding on to them it's you keeping them and the more you hold on to them the more freedoms you lose you lose the freedom to do good and to do right with your life secondly you'll do less and less of god's will and more and more of the devil's will if you stay in your trap, you will not do God's will. You can't do God's will. You will have a fruitless and barren life. Go to Luke chapter 8. Gospel of Luke chapter 8. Luke 8 and verse 14. Jesus is describing four different soils, but he says something quite remarkable here. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 14. This is the third soil out of the four soils, the wayside, the stony ground. And now he talks about the thorny ground. In verse 14, he says, And that the seed which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard the gospel, 
they go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to perfection. Miss Pat Linhan could tell you, if you let weeds grow in your garden, what happens to your garden? The weeds choke out those tomato plants. They choke out the blackberries. They choke out. You, if you don't uh, get free and stay free, you're going to live a fruitless and barren life. And that's a lot of Christians. And lastly, you will be devoured in the end. You will be devoured in the end. Second Peter 2 says this, If after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein, and they are overcome. And the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Whatever it's like, and I'm going to be too honest with you, whatever it's like when you were lost and sin was dominating your life, when you go back to that sin as a Christian, it'll be worse. You'll never be happy. That's a promise, and that ought to scare us. Scarce enough to say, I've got to get out of whatever is attempting to enslave me. Now, there is a way to get out. It's called humble repentance, where you, you yield and you say, Lord, I'm willing to live anyway. Different. I'm willing to live differently now. I'm willing to live a, a changed life. I humbly repent, and I, I want you to tell me what to do, and I'll do it. And there's one other thought. If you go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul balances it out and says, you need to keep your eyes on the one who called you to be a soldier. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Keep your eyes on him. Seek to please God in everything you do. I don't have time, but the goal of the Christian life is to please the God who called you to be a soldier. Christian life's not about you and me, folks. It's not even about the lost in this world. It's about pleasing Jesus, doing whatever he wants us to do, and doing it the way he wants us to do it. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said his life purpose was not to win the arguments against the Pharisees. His life purpose was, John 8, 29, he that sent me is with me, Jesus said, the Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please Him. That's my life. God does not exist for our pleasure. We were created for His. So seek to please God. What do you think it means to please Him? It means to make His day. That's what it means. Listen to Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is with me. Bless His holy name. I hope I thrill you today, God if that's even possible, that I would ever do that. When I got saved 40 years ago, all I wanted to do was know God. 40 years down the line, you know what I want to do? Please God. So decide who you're living for. Who are you trying to please? You're trying to please your husband? Huh. He won't appreciate one one-hundredth of what you do for him. Your children, you want to make your children happy? They will one day walk out of that door and not come back and never say thank you for doing all those sacrifices for them. You want to please your employer? He or she didn't hire you to appreciate you. <laughs> you want to please your friends? They'll walk away from you the first moment you cross them. You want to please yourself? You'll be very disappointed. Our actual calling is to please God, to make him happy. 
Your marriage is supposed to please God, not yourself. Your family is supposed to reflect the glory of God and to please God. Your job is supposed to please God. If at your job you cannot please God, get another job. And you know what will happen? You'll be blessed. And you'll be able to finish the course. That's our whole focus this year. Press on to finish the course that God gave us to run. Don't fall in the trap that Martha and Lot and Demas so quickly and easily fell into. Jesus Christ made us free. He did that, gave us freedom. It's like handing somebody a passport. Uh, an Irish passport is one of the most powerful, one of the most coveted passports in the world because you can basically go anywhere in the world, amen? An Irish passport gets you almost anywhere. It's one of the most coveted passports. And can you imagine some of you were born with that? Don't ignore it. You were by that birth of being Irish, born here. You were given that freedom of being Irish. Me to go anywhere in the world. When we were born again, we were given the freedom that Christ gives us to live above the world, to live different than the world, to live free from the world. So stay free. Paul says, be not entangled in the affairs of this life. So I ask you, are you free? Free? Are you just religious? Are you just doing your best? Trust Jesus Christ to make you free, and you'll be free indeed. Let's pray. Father, we just finished today with a desire, God, that we take this. This is, this is a big, serious thing. We're talking about being a soldier. This is not the happy-go-lucky kind of Christian life that maybe we thought we were into, but it's a war that we're in. And you gave us some strong advice today. Pray we take heart to it, and we would live it. Lord, we've got to be aware. Maybe what we're watching, maybe what we're doing, what we're saying, what we're thinking, what we're buying, where we're going, who we're hanging with. If we, were, we don't live in fear of it all, but we've got to look and read the fine print and be aware and ponder where we're going and say, is this leading me into a trap? I need to avoid it. I need to stay untangled. It's a whole lot easier to stay untangled than it is to get untangled. I'm glad you do untangle our lives. I'm glad that you do pick us up where we're at and that you... Make us whole. And you do it all the time. You're merciful, God. You're very kind. Lord, you expect us to be not entangled again, to choose, to make wise choices. So I pray that we would. In Jesus' name, amen.